there was something that that Joe actually mentioned in our in our previous episode where he he, he said something around in UAP outside of all this kind of like non-formal education stuff you also learn your limits and how far you can push yourself and stuff like this um of course like a decade ago uh UAP used to have like sleepless nights and just carry on and power through and stuff today we do less and less of that thank fuck for that <laughs> because that is like <laughs> destroying our bodies in such a bad way but i guess like you know, there, there. When you said like, um, you, you know, you do all this stuff, and now you feel like you're getting old, that your body can't cope through this. Is that that's the kind of stuff you used to do back in like EYP and like day after day after day, and you'd be fine with it, and you just carry yeah, you just on. keep going, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt like uh, at uni, I always had an advantage over my uni friends, where after like two or three almost all nighters they'd just be like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, where's the next day? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like to me, I never got that in my uni stuff because in EYP, the reason you get up in the morning after an hour of sleep is because you're really hyped to do it. And when That's it's some true. like fucking group work at the university, but it's like, especially me, with me because I went to an IT degree, like the reason we have group work is because the people don't know how to do group work and going from <laughs> EYP to that is it like the level of excitement is a bit less <laughs> no I, I feel I feel I'm in the same boat with Nathan as well I felt in, in in uni I was definitely able to power through because you know everyone else was struggling I was like what do you guys mean you know this is this is a warm-up you should see what we what we do in EYP right because in uni you're a bit more flexible with the schedules in the sense that, like, I mean, you, you pull loads of all-nighters, but you have more opportunities to toss in, you know, power nuts mm. here and there, and uh, just, yeah, take, take some steps back backwards if needed or, or, or aside. And it was, it, it, felt, like, it felt like a cheat code. <laughs> literally, the... literally. Although th- th- there's something I've been thinking about recently, and it's, you know how every generation have those kind of, those people in their 50s that they think about the good old days and so now it's people thinking about the 80s and 90s as good old days but their parents would have been thinking about the 50s and 60s as the good old days and we kind of like we, we create this image of it and we only kind of like see the bright things and I feel a lot of us in UIP like from our generation kind of do this of what happened like between you know 2010 2015 kind of era around that time of these were the good old days when we used to do all this stuff but then like sometimes I kind of think back and I realize that holy shit my my decision making skills must have been absolute appalling my my empathy must have been absolute shit like if somebody was was actually struggling through something I would have been completely blind to that because I would have been too drunk to realize or too tired to realize or if 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 let's say part of the team felt excluded or anything like this I would just be too focused in what I'm doing because I don't have much energy left to be able to actually yeah. have the capacity to take other people into account. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I, I kind of in this in this topic, it reminded me of I think Jim Carrey used to start his career with stand up, and one of the one of the things he said in one of the super early recordings of his stand up was uh, you can measure the the misery of an individual by how far in his life. The individual has to reach for the good old days, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then they, I think they gave that gave an example of like an old man talking about back in the old days 
when I was a sperm. <laughs> there was millions of us <laughs> in a real field, and I won them all. <laughs> but uh, so I kind of I kind of tried to live with this mentality. Okay, good good old days were really good old days, but they also had those you know shitty aspects of it. Right mm -hmm. in the, in the MVP days, it was. Like you have 100 euros for a week and you have to survive somewhere deep in, in, in Germany or Ukraine. And you're like, fuck, how do, how do I do this? And always it was the case where you're like, okay, I'm out of money. I have to hitchhike back home. And, uh, and uh, kind of looking back at that, that, that definitely was, it was part of what made the experience uh, interesting. But now I really appreciate it. Yeah, I have a bit of a breathing room in, in, in kind of financial department and some of the other things are a bit more ironed out and, and I don't have to struggle that hard. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. I like the, you phrased that in such a bad way. But like that that was the thing. <laughs> like that that was the thing you kinda learned from like you how how we travel these days is entirely based on what happened to us in the, all the UIP stuff. I remember one trip I left for like a whole summer full of sessions and like I was going to be gone from home for like two or three months and just travel and do sessions and on my way well I got I got in a bus to go to the airport and <laughs> my phone rings I'm kind of too sleepy to pick it up so like it rings and Turns out later that it was my bank telling me that someone from Singapore was using my card and they had shut it down. <laughs> and that was no. at the time my only bank card that I was carrying with me. <laughs> and later, like uh, sometime later, it got eaten by an ATM in Bosnia. <laughs> <It's a common> wow. <laughs> and I just like in the middle of completely unknown territory trying to figure out with basically no money it's like let's try to figure this out but it was not a negative experience by any degree like you learn from that shit you no know no I, mean? I, I wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything in my life i i, I didn't i didn't mean to kind of come out of it as as a negative experiences i'm just i appreciate that these days i have opportunity to choose right yeah. like i still i'm still you know have um uh, enjoyed for example hitchhiking or like you know 20 hour bus rides from from like across europe and it's fun but it's 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 kind of nice that it's not your only option you know um, yeah that's true but uh, yeah, yeah yeah it was it was absolutely bananas this one session i was going from essen which is like i think western germany all the way back to latvia with a bus that was 36 hour bus ride <clears throat> and uh, and then we had i remember after the session we had like a support group people people were like people called the group ostrich in the bus or something <laughs> and like they were like just keeping keeping in touch with me how i'm how i'm coping through it and it was like like a life changing bus ride because middle of the bus ride we catch a storm like a massive storm somewhere i don't know whether that was poland or something and there's like this massive branch like smashes couple of windows off the bus in the middle of night and we have to stop for like five hours and um, 
I, I at the time I only had I was I was like doing some some stuff for another session on a laptop, and I was like so freaked out. I take out my headphones, I put them on my laptop. I kind of close the laptop, but not like fully, but like partially close it, and lean to like see what's happening. And I and I, I kind of leaned on my laptop and smacked my headphones in the screen, so I completely ruined my screen of laptop. And it was it was just a it's just a shit story. So I was left like. No laptop, no nothing to do in a, in a, in a bus, uh, like in the middle of summer, smashed windows, and yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. Oh my god, damn! It's it's true that like what when when you're on a budget, you just take the most ridiculous ways to get anywhere, and then you just get into so much like it ends up costing you way more <laughs> in the long run <laughs> compared to like I had this one where I had to go to. I was going to like Western Ukraine from the UK and I thought, okay, what's the cheapest way for me to get there? Um, actually, no, I wasn't in the UK. I was in France at the time. I was thinking, okay, um, this is going to be too expensive for me to like fly direct to Kiev and then take the train. No, no, I'm like, no, no, it's not happening. What if I fly, do like a a, a budget kind of thing from a, a budget Paris airport to a budget Warsaw airport and then take a train down to like... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and and I think there was a there was like a, a train to go from Warsaw then to to Lviv, and I thought, oh, this kind of seems like a cool option. Let, let's try this out. So then uh, I had to try to get to the airport. Originally, I hitchhiked to get to the airport in Paris, but it was the uh, Beauvoir or Beauvais. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's this like random Paris airport in the outskirts somewhere in Paris. Nightmare to get to, and uh, but I got there on the day before my flight. <laughs> I confused the days. So now I was like, oh crap, my. what do I do? So I put my bag down and I slept. And I thought I'll sleep in the airport, but it's a local airport that shut down at night. So they kicked us out <laughs> and I slept outside in the car park of this airport. I woke up the next morning. Uh, I kept waking up saying, have I missed my flight? No, I haven't. It's in three, it's in like four or five hours. Okay. Have I missed my flight? No, it's still in three, four hours. And I just kept doing that cycle. So I hardly slept that night. And then finally got onto that plane and got, um, the plane was delayed. And I was thinking, oh shit, there's only like the last train that will go to Kiev for the day. <laughs> it's, it's coming up pretty soon. So I had to like run from there onto this bus to then get to, to, to Warsaw and then from where the bus left us, had to then run, run fast as I could because I, I, I thought I, I can't figure out how to get to the tra- train station quicker. So I just ran for it. And the train was about to leave in three minutes and I still hadn't bought a ticket. And I was like, shit, I thought, it's okay. I just jump on the train and buy a ticket on the train. You know, normally you should be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I jump on the train. Uh, the doors are about to shut. I get on, they shut behind me. I'm like, oh, I made it. I'm like, okay, I just got to get into wherever I can see. And right in front of me is this like cabin. I'm going to go in there and I realize I'm in first class. I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like these like cabins where you just have two people in the whole compartment. And so that was me and an Austrian guy. And I'm like, hey, and stuff. And then the the conductor kind of comes past um, to collect people's tickets. I said, yeah, I didn't manage to get a ticket um, because train was about to leave. Can, Can I buy one? He just looked at me. He said, 50 euros. I was thinking, hmm, that's not bad because I thought I, I saw like higher prices online and I kind of looking around me. I'm like, this is first class. It should be way more than this. I thought, okay, I get out my card and he just looks at me and starts laughing. He's like, no, 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 cash, cash. I was like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to understand. Like, but, mm, this, uh, this, doesn't... I was like, okay, yeah, I, I don't actually have cash on me. 
but I can pay by card or I can... And he said, oh, no, okay, next stop, you're out. I was like, but <laughs> I have no idea where this next stop is and I'm just going to be, like, randomly stuck. And I, like, yeah, I was like, what, what, what's going on? So luckily the Austrian guy I heard is like, okay, I'll, I'll pay for you and then you can just pay me back. You, you, you're getting out in Kiev, right? I was like, yeah, or, or Lviv, or and then him as well. I thought, okay, this is perfect. We can both get out there and that's fine. So then we... We both get out there. I pay him back. Um, and then, yeah, I then realized at that point that I had paid a bribe to the uh, train person in order to let me on. That that 50 went straight into his pocket. But then I realized I forgot my Mac on the train. No. Oh. And then I was like, oh, shit, I went back. I couldn't see it. And I was like, fuck. And Another then, bribe uh, for the conductor. Uh, well, well, this this is before. At that, even at that time, I didn't realize I paid a bribe. I thought I paid the normal fare, and he just gave me a reduced rate because I I don't know I I don't know what I was thinking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 then I went back to the train, and then I saw, um, my friend was like translating for me um, in Russian or Ukrainian, depending on the person. Um, and then at one point, the driver kind of came back, and he was like telling us to like stop asking questions and to like kind of put, brought us to a side and then I realized at that point is that oh yeah I actually had paid him a bribe and now it cannot be known that I was actually on the train and they cannot actually put an inquiry to see where my computer is or stuff because oh. I don't actually have a ticket and if I do say that I was on the train then he's in trouble and so it just became this whole thing and I was thinking you know what it would have been easier just to take the direct flight <laughs> right right yeah but it teaches you lessons right like experiences as such are so kind of just information dense that you you you'll come out the other way so much more knowledgeable about so many how many things work and doesn't work yeah Mm -hmm. especially if you're from a nordic country like myself like the things you see that would never happen up here that you just prepare you for the world i can remember do you get a similar train to Ukraine kind of a thing from Poland? And that was a night train. I was like, okay, I'll I hit I fly to I fly to Poland, go to the train station, try and find my way through it. There's very little signs anywhere, so I was like, okay, well I don't really know if this is the right duck or anything, but you know, people seem to be going in the same place as me, so I'll just stay here. And so like I, there's no like I'm in Finland. You know, you go to a station and it shows you where your train cart is on like yeah. a billboard. And Poland is like they don't have billboards. Like there's nothing to even say that my train is leaving from the dock. And so like okay, uh, train arrives. It looks like it's about to leave right away. So I just jump into a random cart, and then it just starts packing up with people. To the point that, you know, you're, you we're like, I know I have a place somewhere. I, I, it's a night train, so I booked a bed. It's a bit extra, but, you know, I, I didn't know really what to expect. And so I get, get, go into this cart and I'm trying to, like, move towards, like, maybe I can walk into the next cart to try and find the cart that I'm supposed yeah, to be yeah. in. But then the, the hallway is so full of people that it's just, they, we move a bit forward, a bit forward, and then we just stop because <laughs> there's so many people in the hallway. The train is so overbooked that we cannot walk in there. 
<laughs> and people are like all all the way around because they say, yeah i have a ticket as well i have a seat like two carts over that but i can't go there because you know can't walk over people my god so like hopping off at random stations in no nowhere poland in the middle of the night just like get out of a cart go into a random cart <laughs> see is this mine no stand packed with people for another half an hour get out to the next station try and fight my cart uh th- then when i finally find my cart the conductor is just laughing at me it's like you you boarded the train like three hours ago why are you here now <laughs> perfect perfect the lessons you learn yeah and then then you also see other people doing the same kind of shit like I remember being quite amused in, uh, we were at the EYP 30 in Brno. And then with some people, we were going to another session from there and we we're taking a bus to Sarajevo. And, oh no, was it? No, we were taking a bus to Serbia. And <laughs> I just remember being there next to the bus like trying to calm down the driver while a couple of EYPers run up up and down the station trying to find a place to print their tickets because the bus driver wouldn't accept tickets on their phone. Wow. <laughs> so like, just calm down, God, they will come soon. And the guy doesn't speak a word of English, of course. <laughs> you see shit. Damn. I think it was in... um. It was it was it was in Nick's Basins, I think, at one point in um in Paris, where he actually ended up flying without his passport or without his that ID like or it, something, yeah. and managed to somehow print a photocopy and have somebody do a squiggle <laughs> on it to officialize it, and then traveled with that <laughs> after Dude, losing actually- his ID. <laughs> he has told me the story and i've 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 used that as a travel hack for so many times it's it's interesting because uh, yeah yeah so he said ever since that experience yeah i think that was him not uh daniel grinevich either either one of those i think i think it was nick but um but yeah they said it was i think traveling from paris to somewhere that they didn't had uh the passport but he had a passport copy somewhere saved in his email or drive or something. And he was able to, to print it out. Uh, and then some, some official from the airport just signed it saying like, this is approved, uh, like item to travel with. And ever since he told me the story, I've put my, uh, either ID card or, or, or passport. Um, I think passport now in kind of like my password keeper software and a couple of times i've actually yeah just just used it wherever i don't have my id with me or something but i really need it i'm like but hey i have like a passport copy like saved on my phone can i can i use this and it has been working i haven't done international travels like flights with it but i've 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 done like you know identify myself on um uh train rides across Finland or or I've even I've even gotten to to like bars and stuff whatnot with with that one uh yeah it's a it's an interesting life hack but uh, has helped me 
I guess it's not purely like it's it's strictly not legal by any means, right? Like you cannot, you shouldn't be able to just, just go where it's like passport copy because everyone could like edit whatnot on 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 there. Totally. But um, I guess it's better than nothing, right? Like, and and if, yeah. if your persuasion skills uh, or, or just like yeah, <laughs> verbal communication is is really good, like like makes this, then I then I assume it's uh, <laughs> it's a way out of some dodgy. Uh, fuzzy situations yeah and on the topic of passports this is probably gonna be a thing for the next eyp sessions if you check your passport since the chances are that it's expired during the pandemic and you just haven't had to check it and uh, <laughs> and that's happening for everyone else and the police departments at least in finland are stuffed to the brim because of it like if i didn't get my passport renewed now like in October, I couldn't have gotten it in time for my <laughs> trip in, the, in January because it's like multiple months of queue. So check your passports. Do it now. Well, actually, saying that, so if, for the T4ET that we had last month in Azerbaijan, three days before that they were due to fly, we had a trainer and a trainee both realize that their passports were expired. <laughs> and it's also... And, sorry. Go for it. And, and then and literally within those three days, each of them managed to get new passports and still make it. Because because so. I, I had I had a similar stuff when we we had an event EYP event in Georgia, and my passport was due to expire in like two three months time, and I was like, oh that's that's totally okay. I'm traveling. It's 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 no no biggie. But apparently, if you travel outside the EU, as I'm EU citizen, I had to have the passport valid for six months or something. I don't remember precise dates, so don't quote me on those or, or the or the lengths of those dates. But so essentially it's not only that you your 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 passport is expired, but it's also some months prior to expiration you're not allowed to, to travel. So I think I had a I had a situation where I was not able to get a new passport prior to the event. So I had to go to the immigration uh, service of Latvia and they had to issue like a legal paper because I think the situation was I was able to travel out, but when when I was traveling back, they wouldn't accept it or something like that. So I, I was flying with this paper and everyone was like, what is, what are you, are you able to, what is this uh, uh, type of a thing? Uh, yeah, passport checking is, is uh, yeah. Under underrated thing. <laughs> yeah. And do you guys have any good uh, s- stories or secondhand stories from like people having to deal with consulates and shit? Because I'm guessing a lot of people have had their passports stolen during EYP travels. Mm. I I had j- just before like COVID started, like literally like the month before it. So this must have been twenty. Yeah, like. December 2019, January 2020, my last kind of batch of travels, I had three big trips planned within like a one month period where I was going to India, going to St. Petersburg and also going to uh, Egypt. And the thing is, so for, for, for India, I needed my visa and I kind of sort out that and that was like, okay, easy to do. But then for Egypt and for Russia, I have to then give my passport into the embassies for like mm-hmm. at least five days, uh, etc. But the thing is, um, I kind of realized that three days before I was leaving to India. And I thought if I give my passport now, 
I won't have my passport in time to go to India. But by the time I come back from India, I think I only had like four days until I had to then be in Russia. So that wouldn't have been enough time for that one. And then by the time I then came back on, I think it was like five days, it would have been like touch and go for the Russia one. But then when I came back, I only had two or three days before going back out to Egypt. So I definitely wouldn't have been able to get that one. So I was like, okay, what do I do? How do you work with this? And what we managed to do is um, that that night I managed to book uh, an urgent like passport thingy-majig. Um, and then the next morning I kind of went in to get a second passport. So now I have two <laughs> passports. They're both British passports, but I have two of them as, a, as, as like a business exception to be able to uh, get visas multiple at the same time and stuff yeah. like this. So then I had my two passports and I could give one into an embassy, head out to India, kind of come back, trade that one in, give another one to another embassy, (laughs) work with my passports this way. So now I have like two different ones. And depending where I go, I can be like, hmm, do I want to show this list of countries or do I want to show this list of countries? I think, I think in majority of the countries that's illegal, Uh, like, like at least to, to like, to like, I think... I've heard, I've never used this trick myself, but I've heard of it before because you can say that I've lost my, lost my passport. You know, you issue some, some like legal papers uh, to, the, to the authorities and then, then you just apply for a new one. But in theory, you haven't lost it, but you have it, in, you know, somewhere with you. And then, then you, you do exactly as you said, right? Because if, if, uh, I remember I was also questioned. I was, I was going to um, Azerbaijan, uh, Georgia and and kind of you know those countries all there and then I then I was going to Russia or or either way and then I was questioned on one of the airports saying like hey you have those stamps what were your business in this country uh, I think I think I was in in Azerbaijan and then in Russia I was questioned for like 30 40 minutes and I was I was just like, no, there was just like this European Youth Parliament event thingy, and they were like, what is what is this uh, Parliament politics? And they were they were like, okay, okay, you have to come with this room with us. And I was like, what the? <laughs> what is this happening? Um, so that could be avoided. I've heard people have been avoiding things as such with with like double passport things, but um, disclaimer there, that's uh, I think strictly illegal. Don't take my advice on it. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a way to kind of. Yeah, not to have some list of uh, countries visited prior. Or I guess the more legal way could be like you can just lose a passport and and swap it uh, so you won't have the the direct records of the countries visited with the stamps. Destroy your old passport and (laughs) not in any legal trouble in a way. Because like in the legal way is like you go inside and you say, hey, I want a new passport. You don't have to yeah. have reasoning uh, necessarily strictly one. Because I think I think you can say I, I'm planning to travel for ten years now, not gonna be in the country, and I want to just have a new one. Yeah, but if you do that, you have to give your previous one back in. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Um, you have to yeah. you, you hand in the previous one. Yeah. They take care that's of true. destroying you can't it, do that right of it. Um, so yeah, so that, 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 that's the process. You're right. But yeah. then if, if there is a specific reason, so for example, let's say, I don't know, let's say you, you want, you want to go to Palestine, but in order to get to Palestine, you fly into, um, you fly into Israel to then kind of go to Palestine. And then yeah. let's say the year afterwards, you want to go to Lebanon or something like that. Um, that's, you're not going to be able to go in because you have an Israeli exactly. stamp in your passport. So if you did want to kind of change that over, you, you, well, the, the, 
I believe you can actually request a second passport and say for the reasons that you need to go to a country in which they don't allow that first stamp hmm. for you to go and you can actually have double passports. And I, mm. I feel like they do it specifically for like business reasons, but I think for okay. personal, you can as well. Uh, it is illegal if you say that you've lost it, but you haven't lost it and then you travel on a lost passport because that passport will actually be flagged up in other countries' systems and you are then traveling on a stolen slash lost passport, which could get you into more trouble than needed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting to know. I, I wonder if like, so my, my, my two passport thing, if I only really have this like for the next eight years still or something like this, mm. or if I can renew one and then renew the other one and then throughout just always keep my two passports for like no real reason. Other than I also lose passports and lose everything very easily. So having two is a really cool thing because I can just have one in a safe place. I'm, I'm waiting until, until you know, passport is going to become like electronical thing. Yeah. Like some biometrical ways of identifying yourself and then you just don't need to worry about this piece of plastic. Literally, yeah. Being kept in like a really, really secure place where it's yeah where that doesn't get lost true that there was something i was thinking about a bit earlier when we were talking about all the like craziness in eyp and how we take shortcuts for stuff because of budget reasons um i i've I've often heard like people talk about ridiculous like uh sleeping accommodation stuff in eyp personally i've always been like into decent places i've had like four and five star hotels i've had like nice dorms I've never, I don't feel I've ever had a session where I've had to sleep in a gymnasium or anything like that. Have you guys ever had like a session where you've had like a very different kind of, okay, okay, I'll say go ahead. Oh <laughs> that, my God. The like, floor is yours. <laughs> were, were any of one of yours to the Latvian Nationals in, oh man, that was, that was ages ago. Uh, when was it? 2014, 15, maybe? Skyscom was the city where it was organized at. I was I was part of the organizing team that year, and and we had the massive shitstorm uh, hitting in right before the session. So two weeks prior to the session, um, all the venues that were confirmed, we were able to use uh, cost free. <clears throat> they said, "Oh, by the way, guys, here here's a five thousand euro invoice for for using those uh, venues," and we were like. What we we talked no 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 like rent for those, and so there was like a miscommunication uh, within whoever was booking, and we didn't had anything in paper. So the first takeaway from this one was like like whenever whenever you make agreement with someone, just have it down written in the paper somewhere with signatures from both sides. Uh, so but like I've our total budget so was times. like. I think twelve thousand or ten thousand for that session. So we we couldn't fiddle out uh, fiddle around like just half of the session's budget for for just to squeeze in the accommodation. So we had to replan everything within two weeks. We got a school somewhere near Lithuania's border, and we had to cut corners there so so hard. Uh, like literally, we did so many so many crazy corner cuttings with that session. And and yeah, so so the sleeping arrangements was uh, pretty. Um, I think the sleeping arrangements weren't the, the harshest uh, compared to what we had in terms of showers because it was like a really hot summer session. 
And, and that was a school not made to be slept in. So we got like some, some mattresses or some like, just like random sleeping situation in, uh, in uh, like halls and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not like too crazy, but it's, you know, I think, I think back in the day, at least, you know, to, like when I started around EYP 2010 and 12, it was quite a, quite a standard practice that you just go to a session and, and, and you sleep on the mattress in your own sleeping bag somewhere in the classroom. Um, but yeah, that year that was like, Obviously, it's a national, so you expect, you know, at least a bed <laughs> somewhere. So we had none of those, it was like, like just brutal and no ventilation inside as well. So it's like super hot summer. Everyone's sweating their, you know, uh, asses off in the whole uh, setup. And then, you know, you, you would expect to have a shower uh, after, you know, all those hot days and then team building activities and whatnot. We had one shower in teacher's room extremely tiny emergency situations if teachers needed to take a shower and then there was one shower uh in um i believe in like the uh, room where it was like a woodworking um lab uh for uh for the school so there was like a tiny tiny shower there and we had to figure out how we gonna accommodate with these tiny two showers which which see traffic of five people annually probably uh, to 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 like uh, you know hundred people in a session uh, for 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 eight days and uh, yeah we we just we just set up we set like a daily records uh, like uh, there was a someone with a timer next to the showers and that who who could do the the shower fastest in the day uh, <laughs> like won a prize and yeah there were there were people with like a timers on the showers and people were like trying to squeeze in sub 30 second showers and uh, and then, then we were also organized because there was like a, a river nearby we organized uh, organized shifts to go and wash in the river and that, that, <laughs> that session i'm not i'm not actually sure how many of how much of those things i'm, I'm, I'm uh, oh. like i i don't want to get into trouble by telling the the the, the crazy corner cutting we had to do oh, come on now it's a lot it's an old timey thing it doesn't happen anymore you can tell <laughs> yeah, we're, we're yeah, past that now like the level of sessions especially in latvia has improved like dramatically <laughs> ever ever since then no i mean i would i would i would still put this as a, as a massive plus sign uh you know uh after after the session but it was it was just crazy what what were the what were the arrangements and what had to be pulled off to yeah just just to make the ends meet there damn that that's crazy that is absolutely crazy that was wild but like mm -hmm. sorry go ahead no no like that was that was like the hardest stuff we could all imagine in in terms of organizing. Pretty much everything yeah. that could go wrong with the, with organizing a session did, and we had to come up with like some crazy creative solutions, and we did as well. Uh, yeah, and it was it was just a just just a crazy thing. We ran out of drinking water, I think, pretty early on as well in that session, and then mm. there was a uh, there was a guy in lithuania so that was on the border so we had to drive to, to like lithuania who had like a well in his private house uh and uh he was like yeah yeah you can you can take my drinking water so we were like driving back and forth there 
because uh, because the company that was supplying us the water were were in halt or or couldn't deliver for two days or something. So we that did that as a temporary solution here and there, and just so many so many things that you when you go through that type of an experience, and then you organize any other type of events later on, you feel like these problems that we are having here are not problems compared to what we had back then. And it just like makes you so much well-rounded organizer uh, and then capable of, of tackling issues. Yeah, I, I know. I, I just, I, I, I love that, that particular session and the experience that I gained there. I've been utilizing ever since. So nice. That's cool. That's cool. I think the, the, the only slightly weird accommodation I've ever had was, uh, it was a Lithuanian session. Actually, it was a Belarusian session that was being held in mm. in Lithuania. And it was actually the first time I met Nix. And that was back in like beginning of 2013 or end of 2012, around that kind of time. And the, the hostel was, was pretty funky. Uh, just the sleeping arrangements, I'd never seen something like before where you had a wall and, you know, kind of like at the post office, you kind of got like these little holes that you kind of put your post in. Think about yeah. that for your bed. So everyone has like a maybe uh, 50, maybe 60 centimeter by 60 centimeter kind of square hole in the wall and you slot yourself into the hole like that. And then we're all literally like some kind of grid. Wow. Neat. It was. And it was pretty interesting. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is like... You're close to everyone. I guess you need less heating because of the amount of humans to the amount of space. It's a very efficient way of doing it. It's something that I've like seen on TV, like in Tokyo and stuff like that, where you have like hotels that that, that are like that that you can just like drawer type have. of a, like beds. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And it was like that, but without the drawer side. It was just open. <laughs> and well, we we did have cute little curtains. We had little curtains that you could then pull, and then you'd be like, "This is my space." And then just out, um, we 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 would always get hungry. And then just outside of the of the hostel was a McDonald's, and it was twenty four hour, but okay. it was only the drive through that was twenty four hour. <laughs> so what we would do is we would go out as four and pretend we're a car, <laughs> like the driver, the passenger, two people at the back, kind of going through. A couple of people making the noises. Then you get to the drive through and you kind of do your order, and then you carry around <laughs> to the collection, and then you take it, and then you go back to the hostel, kind of driving your invisible car. My God, have you have you ever? Uh, I I remember back in the day, everyone was talking about pulling off a session with uh, with a setup of accommodation setup of like sleeping outdoors in tents and stuff i Ooh. i heard that the, the kind of the theme being being uh, yeah i just talked talked around quite a lot but i never saw that being implemented in in, in real life mm. have you ever heard of or, or seen that being a, a thing i also heard a lot of rumors of that being a concept but i yeah. never heard of it actually being done the closest thing I personally, the closest thing I personally did was in an IF in Greece where we stayed at like a camping site, but there were like these little huts that we had, but it was basically in the middle of nature in like a camping area, but no, no, no tents for us. All right. All right. Still hasn't been. 
or, or yet to be pulled off. Maybe. Yeah. And if somebody knows about it, let us know. Maybe we can get our first email that somebody sends us. No, um, no, that, 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 have we received any emails yet? No, no one's emailed us. <laughs> let's okay. try and kill the fact that we ever had an email and just move into our new social media <laughs> pages. Okay, we, we never actually had an email and we never told you about our email. Uh, we did tell them about our email. No one just sent us any. Done. I know, <laughs> but okay. No one, none of you decided to send us emails um, at tell. Yeah, tells from sessions at gmail.com, which is, you know, it's still a valid email and stuff. But um, yeah, one person actually did reach out to us on Instagram. They DM'd, uh, do you say DM? I, I'm so new to this. Yeah, stuff. yeah, you say DM. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm, yeah, I feel yeah. like a grandpa with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you figured it out. I did. I, I've kind of figured it out. Uh, someone actually DM'd us saying, thank you so much for the episodes. They're really cool to listen to. Haven't actually met you guys in person, but it's awesome to listen and stuff like that. So if you do know of any session that's actually done that outdoor approach, let us know. And we can like grill that person and be like, why would you do that to people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I imagine it would be in a way not that cheap to get the tents to host yeah. so many people either and it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty doable i think i've been i've been to so many student events where they have setups like that they they especially we, we've had some in uh, army bases where they're like you know mm. 20 30 person tents uh and uh yeah just just could be could be pretty interesting uh yeah a bit of a wild uh experience nature like we had a we had a really close experience in Tiferet in Azerbaijan uh, a while ago, where I think the last last night when we we were there, we just decided to spend like under the skies and then because because it was also in the middle of nowhere, we were surrounded by mountains and we just we also had this uh, small hut situation for accommodation, but then we all pulled out nice. or uh mattresses sheets and, and pillows and we just uh piled like a like a group of mattresses in like this massive uh mattress pile in the middle of field and uh, and we just had like massive amounts of of uh, blankets and pillows and we just all slept there like looking looking under the skies mountains all around and yeah that was that was, that was really really kind of blissful and and a nice nice experience I think there's there's like a potential to be tapped in with this mm -hmm. outdoor. I'm an outdoor person myself, so I guess I guess <laughs> I, I might have a bit biased view on all this outdoor thing, but could be could be fun to see. That that true. sounds very different from my Azerbaijani night experiences because <laughs> we were staying in the in the countryside and some weird well, it was a small town in some countryside and some weird weird hotel type of an arrangement. And we were just at the end of the session chilling outside of, with, with uh, I just pulled a couple of friends out of the party and just had a more chill conversation looking at the stars. And then what point we like, what, what's that thing glowing in the distance and climbed the stairs or the fire stairs of the hotel to look and there's a huge forest fire just glowing <laughs> in the dark at the distance. <laughs> like, well done. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Damn. You think so that's you... not our city? Tapped yeah, village, whatever. I thought you were uh, going to say I... that's slightly different to our our accommodation. Like Joel, the, the first time that we met in Azerbaijan uh, for a session in Baku, where we stayed in the five star Hilton hotel. 
No, was that Marriott? <laughs> yeah, which is which is fun because I was the last one to arrive to that room with uh, Nathan and um, oh, what's the name of the last guy? Um, Florian, Florian oh. Geron was with us, and I was the last one to arrive there, and. They put me on this, like, it was clear that it was a really nice five-star hotel room, but then to cut corners, they just put an extra kind of a small bed mattress bed type inside. of a thing there. And <laughs> after sleeping on that for the first night, I was so dead after my travels, I didn't notice the first night. I got up in the morning like, wow, everything really hurts. Look at the mattress. Try, try and it's like something's wrong with this. I can kind of feel the springs in this. Flip it over. It was the wrong way around. Oh, Five no. star holds on my fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, you that, that late. one's on you, man. That one, that's one on you, dude. <laughs> exactly. That, that's you... what happens when you arrive late. You would so, imagine the staff of a five-star hotel would <laughs> know how to figure out which way a mattress goes on the bed. Right, that guys, was just you know, so... everyone, everyone's human. Everyone makes mistakes, man. It's just a human error you have to account for. I guess, ta- talking about bizarre experiences, uh, have you guys ever uh, encountered anything wild in terms of uh, food or, or catering in general in sessions? I mean, uh, the the Latvian nationals was beautiful in terms of the uh, <laughs> like the the the, the morning soup. Well, every single day the same. Uh, it looked like a borscht, borscht kind of style. Yeah, but it was just. What this, year was that? Um, twenty, twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. It could have been summer twenty thirteen. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I, re- I think I remembered that one. I think I had one taste of it and I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I was like, <laughs> this is not going to be for me. And then every single day we were given it. I was like, no. <laughs> so I, I lived on bread through most of the stuff. And that bread was really nice because Latvian bread is really good. Latvian dark bread. Yeah. Like you can't beat it. But um, having that as the only source of your diet, that was, uh, that was a little bit difficult. Yeah, I think we had a similar thing in the Estonian nationals at one point. And I was vice presiding that, and I just like watched so many delegates just throw out their plate of water and whatever unknown pieces of unknown animals <laughs> was in there, and it's kind of like <laughs> weird looking potatoes and other vegetables. And this is like had to go to the head organizer staff. So let's talk about this. People need some nutrition. Yes, we agree on this. Can, can we, you know, uh, stretch out the budget a bit and get us some food? Because people haven't eaten. Absolutely wild. I do like that. Like, recently, sessions are taking care of that a lot more. Like, even when we were in Yerevan, like, the organizers, they were actually calculating the calorie count. They were calculating the different, um, like, they were kind of dividing down all the different kind of nu- nutritional needs that you're that you have to have and kind of taking a look at what are they providing and making sure everything's kind of hit through every meal and stuff like this and i feel more and more sessions are actually doing this uh, while at the same time trying to introduce like national dishes and exploring the culture of the food uh, it's, it's a difficult kind of play when when you're on such a limited budget at the same time yeah yeah 
I, I think over over the over the years it definitely has improved and uh, yeah as, as as you say kind of kind of more focus on more inclusive diets uh, kind of emphasizing local foods and I, I think I think just also budgeting for the sessions has risen quite a lot as well and and by by the popularity of the events in each country that there's more and more support for those because I remember uh, organizing. I think it was my first ever organizing experience uh, of one of the regionals in Latvia ages ago. And <clears throat> so it was just like basic, basic organizer as well. And uh, we had the world's smallest amount for, uh, for, for food. And I think every other meal was just sandwiches, uh, just, just sandwiches with, with butter and cucumbers on top of it. It, it, it was ridiculous. And then this one day, we decided or, or the head organizer decided to let's let's treat or you know uh everyone in the session and buy pizzas they were like okay this is this is really fair and there was i think there was i don't remember exact amounts but like i think 80 participants so we ordered 40 pizzas half a pizza per person and uh it, it, like everything sounds good so far and then um, for some weird reason so the Pizza place was um, like a half an hour walk from the venue where the session was held, and um, at that time, like I was, I was way be before below eighteen, and none of us had a car, so we had to go there, pick up the pizzas, and come back. We were like, okay, carrying forty pizzas is gonna be a challenge. We'll figure something out. You know, worst case, we'll just call a cab, and and then call it a done there. Uh, and then we go to pizza place and then what we see is 40 pizzas on plates on tables and we are like, okay, okay, this is workable. They, they kind of, you know, messed up. Uh, we wanted to, to kind of order pizzas and, uh, and I was like, could you guys pack those up? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, a pizza box is 50 cents a piece. I called the organizer and asked, Hey, do you, do can you, do you guys have, you know, uh, 20 euros to, to, to kind of spare for for pizza boxes and they were like no figure something out it's like we we were in such a such a budgeted situation that we couldn't afford pizza boxes at the time we were like okay we have these 40s pizzas on tables it's a half an hour walk from the from the venue and we we're like how do we do this now um, and there was like a supermarket nearby, so we just ran inside and from our pockets, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know why at that time we didn't think of, let's just put more money and just buy the boxes. But we, we spent like, I don't know, like a euro and something. So we bought like this parchment paper, roll of parchment paper and, uh, and a big, big, a big two boxes, like, like paper boxes. So what we did, we just like the pizza parchment paper, pizza parchment paper, and like tw uh, twenty pizzas per box, and just like carried those back back to school, and that was that was that was so crazy. Because imagine if you what happens to the bottom pizza if you have nineteen pizzas on top of it, <laughs> it's just like absolutely destroyed uh, outcome. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was that was uh, quite a quite a journey that session yeah. i remember two years later i was head organizing one of the one of the regionals and and that uh so this pizza story has has uh stayed in my memory so 
strongly that I was like, let's do everything possible, but like, let's make sure that we have enough food. So we kind of, uh, we, we did almost 1.5 portions per person when we did calculations. So no one's gonna, gonna miss out. And, and we had massive amounts of foods. We actually had so much food leftovers that we did, we didn't know what to do. We were offering food to everyone uh, who wants to take whatever at any time, but and still we had some quite quite substantial amounts of food leftovers. So we decided to look up a local like a charity house, uh, and uh, and then we where it's like um, it's like homeless people living there, and we just like transported all the leftover foods to that place, and everyone's like so so grateful and happy uh, about uh, yeah. It was it was. Uh, really really nice outcome kind of opposite experience in yeah. terms of the, the, the first one but it's really uh, but yeah it's really nice to give something back to the community and it is such a cool thing in a session like if if you're at the middle of the night you get hungry you can just go to the organizers and like you have some leftover food because i'm starving yeah rather than yeah, just we- suffering with it and we, we always was like, yeah, yeah, here's massive amounts of breads and, and meats and vegetables and salads. Just knock your socks off and then go wild and take as much yeah. as you can carry. Bring to your friends as well. Which is kind of different than kind of Nordic or Latvian sessions when you're staying at the school as well. But rather than mm-hmm. <laughs> accommodating yeah. in a hotel, that would be a bit different. But yeah, sure, I sure. just, I don't know. This kind of thing, like if you're organizing a session and you're looking at your food plan, if it's more than 10% dough, pizza, sandwiches, <laughs> something, you're doing something wrong. Like, that's not going to yeah. <laughs> be a pleasant experience. You're going to backfire at some point. Yeah, like, there, there are other budget food options available than bread-based things. <laughs> soup, soup-based things. You soup can make incredible, base. as long as they're not all fucking pink. <laughs> like, there's plenty of other things. You, you can switch up your soup. Maybe have a pink soup soup once a week. Or if I get twice that week. Well, like, the rest of the Every days, day. whatever veggies are local and are in season, you just throw in, put some nice spices, boil all of that up, and kind of serve it, and you've got something nice and wholesome. And then you can truly appreciate the Latvian dark bread. And then dip <laughs> that into your soup and just have a beautiful Amen. meal. Amen, man. Yeah. But I have one big pet peeve when it comes to this. Like the ANSIs, and you know who you are, that think <laughs> that it's a good idea to save budget by saying, oh, we don't need to have dinner this day. We have Euro Village. They will eat at the Euro Village. And, oh boy. <laughs> If you have any sort of different like dietary requirement than literally eighty percent chocolate, you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> because you can't just put that like responsibility on the participants of the session to bring actual food to your village. Like trying trying to travel with food stuff for you to make something is a pain. Having places at the session so you can actually prepare that food that's a pain then you need to prepare for that if that's what you want but in any case you need to have the organizers prepare some food for the euro village have something traditional have something nice maybe have something budget but you need to have food at the euro village other than what people are bringing to the goddamn euro village i've suffered from this so many times (laughs) 
hundred percent, and especially if you have, uh, if there's alcohol in the Euro Village, then and then you don't have like a dinner prior to that. Everyone's gonna be just mega smashed, right? You haven't eaten anything all day, and then then you have Euro Village at like usually quite late in the evening, and then you go around a couple of tables. You have like you know local moonshines of whatever countries, and and you, and you do a round. You're like absolutely smashed, and what you end up is is food craving drunk people everywhere 